This is an audio presentation of God First Church, Cheltenham, England. A community of Jesus followers, worshipping God first, proclaiming God first, and together living God first lives. For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk. So we're going to start today with the big idea. So the big idea is that we all want to be blessed. We all want to be blessed, don't we? There's not many of us who would say, well, actually, I don't want to be blessed. Okay, so um, some of you may say, well, actually, it depends what you're talking about with blessing. It depends who is given that blessing as well. It's a legitimate question. But for most of us, um, we do want to be blessed. Okay, some of you may think, well, blessing, to be blessed, will be like a religious service where a priest may come up and he may bless you, or another religious guru may come up with some kind of ritual and bless you. Okay, um, others of you may think of blessing in a more general sense. So you may think, well, someone or something comes into my life and it makes my life better, it makes my life easier, it makes me happier. Therefore, that is a blessing. Okay, and I know from Facebook that some of my friends will use I'm blessed or I'm feeling blessed on their like little Facebook updates. So I had a little look through Facebook status updates of my friends, okay, and also did like a random search on Twitter for blessed or being blessed or blessing. And this is what came up. So I think there's a few of them behind us. So um, someone said, burgers, beers, best buddies in the sun. So blessed. Um, So blessed to have a wonderful circle of talented, kind, honest people in my life. Okay, that was someone from my workplace, honest. Uh, be grateful you're blessed. No matter how stressed you may be, you're still breathing. Very blessed and happy to say I have recovered, uh, I've received an offer from, and there was a company in there, feeling blessed, sunshine on my birthday, and I'm blessed, got my soul, mind, and body in gear. That's the way to start a productive and creative work day. So essentially you can see that people, um, depending on the person, okay, depending on what they value, depending on what they attribute value to, Lots of different things can be a blessing. Okay? But also, reading all these statements, you've got to recognise that each person is recognising that blessing is coming from outside of themselves. Yeah? It's something which comes to them, a source outside of themselves, and it comes to them. None of these statements are saying, well, I worked up. It's because of my effort that I get this blessing. Okay? Um, and the third one is particularly telling. It says, be grateful. Be grateful you're blessed. So it begs the question, who has blessed you? Who has blessed you? So I'm going to ask you a couple of questions from the outset today. So, are you blessed? Are you blessed? Have you been blessed? Who has blessed you? Has God blessed you? Do you know God's blessing in your life? Do you want more of God's blessing in your life? And do you value God's blessing in your life? So we're going to be reading um, from scripture about a family where there were different attitudes towards the blessing of God. And I have to answer these questions for myself. Have I been blessed by God? I can say, yes, I have been blessed by God. Do I value the blessing of God? Do I want more of the blessing of God in my life? Yes. Do I value the blessing of God? Absolutely. But also I can say, sometimes my attitude, my actions, maybe I don't always value the blessing of God in my life. Okay. Um, we're going to be reading from Genesis chapter, um, chapter 27. So you may want to turn there in your Bibles or get it up on your app. It's also going to come up behind me on the screen. 
Okay, so if you don't want to turn, you don't have to. But I'm going to be reading some, explaining, reading some, explaining, reading some, explaining. So you might want to keep a little finger in the book or a bookmark in there. Okay, so the family we're talking about were descendants of Abraham. And remember, God interrupted Abraham's life and said to Abraham, I'm going to bless you, and I'm going to make your family a blessing. Okay, And actually, through your descendants, the whole world is going to be blessed through you. Um, and so when Abraham died, this blessing which Abraham was carrying, this transferred to his son Isaac. Okay? And then God reaffirmed that blessing on Isaac. And then, Abraham, uh, then Isaac married Rebekah, and she gave birth to twin sons, Esau and Jacob. And so we're going to be looking at the family, Isaac's family, Isaac and Rebekah, Esau and Jacob. Okay. Um, start with Genesis 27, 1-4. When Isaac was old, and his eyes were so weak that he could no longer see, he called for Esau, his oldest son, and said to him, My son, here I am, he answered. Isaac said, I am now an old man and don't know the day of my death. Now then, get your weapons, your quiver and bow, and go out into the open country and hunt some wild game for me. Prepare me the kind of tasty food I like and bring it to me to eat, so that I may give you my blessing before I die. Okay. So the first person we come across in this chapter is Isaac, and he is both old and he is blind, okay? And this is significant for later events. Isaac is old, and he decides that now it is time to bless his firstborn son. The firstborn had what we call the the birthright, and that is their right as the firstborn to receive the blessing, okay? The blessing would include a double portion or the lion's share of the family's wealth. They would become head of the family. They would take on the family's aspirations, but they would also take on the spiritual promises on the family. And remember, the spiritual blessings on this particular family, they were quite weighty. Yeah, they were really weighty. The blessing ceremony, okay, that would be the transference of all of this. And at the ceremony, the family would come together and prayers would be said in the presence of God. And these prayers were important because they were seen to be shaping the life of that firstborn. They were significant prayers shaping the life of that firstborn. Okay. So what we have here is we have Isaac, the carrier of God's blessing, looking to transfer on, looking to transfer that to his firstborn son in the blessing ceremony. Nothing alarming here. But who is invited to this blessing? It's just the two of them, isn't it? It's just Isaac and it's just Esau. And there just seems to be one meal for um, Isaac. You have to ask, where is the rest of the family? Where are they? Where is his wife? Where is Rebecca? We also come across Esau. Now, he was the eldest of the twins. He was the first one out of the womb. Therefore, he is the all-important firstborn. He is the one that traditionally would have had the birthright and therefore the blessing. So he would be set to inherit the wealth and that unique blessing of God upon that family. Now, Esau, he was a hairy baby. The Bible says his whole body was a hairy garment. Okay? And if you have a baby and it's hairy, you hope, especially if it's a girl, that he doesn't grow up to be hairy. But... <laughs> but um, Esau grew up and he was a hairy, hairy man. He is described in a previous chapter as a man of the field. He was out hunting, he was a man of the field, and so he would have had a certain smell about him. And I remember my dad, um, he occasionally used to do a bit of farming, help out his mates who were farmers, and he used to do a bit of farming. When he came in from a day of farming, he used to do sheep shearing and sheep dipping, that type of thing, there was a distinct smell about him, and it kind of filled the house. And that would, it would have been like that with Esau, so there would be a distinct smell about him. Okay, and also he was also, he was the first one's son, but he's also Isaac's favourite son. Okay, um, so Esau would have been had the birthright, 
uh, therefore the blessing. And it's quite a responsibility, isn't it? And quite a privilege, I'd say, to have the birthright and the blessing. But what Esau does, and you have to question um, Esau's character in this, he sells the birthright to his younger brother. And does anyone know what he sold the birthright to his younger brother for? Does anyone know? Soup or stew. He sells it for a pot of stew. It beggars belief, doesn't it? Maybe he was particularly hungry, and he was, and maybe the stew was particularly tasty. But you have to ask two questions when it comes to Esau and him selling his firstborn status. Firstly, does he value the blessing of God? Does he value the blessing of God? His actions would suggest that he doesn't, that he is indifferent, that he couldn't care less. He seems more, he was more transfixed on this pot of stew, this soup, this tem- the temporal, the immediate, the food that immediately satisfies him than he was on the future blessing of God for him. Or perhaps you can say about him that he didn't quite grasp the significance of this weighty blessing of God in his family. Maybe he didn't realise what he was giving up. And I'd ask myself, and I'd also ask you the same question, is there something in your life that you value more than the blessing of God in your life? Is there something you would never give up? Is there something that always grabs your attention more so than the blessing of God? And are you forfeiting the blessing of God in your life as Esau died? Or maybe I'll ask you, do you just not quite grasp the significance of the blessing of God? You know, you can be around church, you can be born in a Christian family, you can be around church, you can be around Christians, you can hear the gospel, you can hear the message, but you can still not quite grasp its significance. Maybe that's you here. Okay, we're going to carry on reading, and we're going to meet the rest of the family. So um, we're going to read from verse 5. Now, Rebecca was listening as Isaac spoke to his son Esau. So I think she was around the corner of the tent listening in. When Esau left for the open country to hunt game and bring it back, Rebecca said to her son Jacob, Look, I overheard your father say to your brother Esau, Bring me some game and prepare me some tasty food to eat so that I may give you my blessing in the presence of the Lord before I die. Now, my son, listen carefully and do what I tell you. Go out to the flock and bring me two choice young goats so I can prepare some tasty food for your father just the way he likes it. Then take it to your father to eat so that he may give you his blessing before he dies. Jacob said to Rebekah, his mother, But my brother Esau is a hairy man, and I'm a man with smooth skin. What if my father touches me? I would appear to be tricking him, and would bring down a curse on myself rather than a blessing. His mother said to him, My son, let the curse fall on me. Just do what I say. Go and get them for me. So he went and got them and brought them to his mother, and she prepared some tasty food just the way his father liked it. Then Rebekah took the best clothes of Esau, her oldest son, which she had in the house, and put them on her younger son Jacob. She also covered his hands and the smooth part of his neck with goat skins. Then she handed to her son Jacob the tasty food and the bread she had made. So what do you, what do you make of Rebekah? Okay. What do you make of her? Not the type of woman you would want to be married to in your old age, if you're blind. And then we've got um, Isaac had his favourite son Esau, but so did Rebecca. And it says, Rebecca loved Jacob. Jacob was Rebecca's favourite son. But look at what that favouritism was actually doing. Okay? So she was, to get the blessing for her favourite son, she was prepared to go behind her father's back, prepared to deceive him basically taking advantage of him in his old age and his blindness. 
And then we have Jacob as well. Um, Jacob and Esau, they were twins, but they couldn't have been more different. Where Esau was kind of like a man's man, he was a skilled hunter, a man of the field. Jacob is described previously as a man with smooth skin, so no hair, um, as a quiet man and one who sort of hung around the tents. He was, he was definitely a bit more of a mama's boy. Um, the guys, they shared a womb. Um, they shared a set of parents, but they shared very little else. It seems that there was very little brotherly kindness between them, very little friendship between them. Again, we see in Jacob, as we do in the rest of the family, things we perhaps don't like about him. Because he easily goes along with his mother's plan to deceive his father and steal his brother's blessing. And this is after the incident where he, um, he basically tricked Esau out of his birthright, didn't he? He took advantage of Esau in his moment of weakness, and sold the birthright, um, got the birthright of, of Esau. Okay. Whilst we may not like these, okay, the Bible actually speaks quite favourably about these two. And uh, I've been reading Fillmore on, um, on Genesis. Okay. And um, Fillmore, he leads a church in, um, in Wimbledon, a really good church, and he writes some really, really good books, really good commentaries on various books of the Bible. And he says, he writes, Jacob's face pleaded the Lord which is why the Bible never specifically condemns Jacob for his deception in chapter 37. He committed it because he placed such value on God's covenant promises and such faith in the power of Isaac's words of blessing that he was willing to risk being cursed by his father and killed by his brother to make sure he received them. So unlike Esau, Jacob and his mother, they valued the blessing. They valued the blessing of God. And their actions, however much we don't like them, shows it. They valued the blessing so, so much that it seems like they would stop at nothing to get this blessing. Okay? And Jesus told two parables about uh, people who value the blessing of God. Or it says kingdom of heaven, which is the blessing of God. And uh, Matthew 13, it says the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in the field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value... He went away, sold everything he had, and bought it. The question is, how much do you value the blessing of God? Okay. So we're going to see if Jacob and Rebecca were successful in their plan. And remember, we're at the situation. Jacob is uh, covered in Esau's hairy clothes. Um, there's a smell about him, and he's got the tasty food to go into his father. He went to his father and said, my father. Yes, my son, he answered. Who is it? Jacob said to his father, I am Esau, your firstborn. I've done as you told me. Please sit up and eat some of my game so that you may give me your blessing. Isaac asked his son, how did you find it so quickly, my son? The Lord your God gave me success, he replied. Then Isaac said to Jacob, come near so I can touch you, my son, to know whether you really are my son Esau or not. Jacob went close to his father, Isaac, who touched him and said, The voice is the voice of Jacob, but the hands are the hands of Esau. He did not recognize him, for his hands were hairy like those of his brother Esau. So he blessed him. Are you really my son, Esau? He asked. I am, he replied. Then he said, My son, bring me some of your game to eat, so that I may give you my blessing. Jacob brought it to him and ate, and he brought some wine and he drank. Then his father, Isaac, said to him, Come here, my son, and kiss me. So he went to him and kissed him. When Isaac caught the smell of his clothes, 
He blessed him and said, Ah, the smell of my son is the smell of the field that the Lord has blessed. May God give you of heaven's dew and of the earth's richness and abundance of grain and new wine. May nations serve you and peoples bow down to you. Be Lord over your brothers and may the sons of your mother bow down to you. May those who curse you be cursed and those who bless you be blessed. So Jacob and Rebekah, they were successful in their plan. And indeed, Jacob, he was blessed. Okay. Uh, Fillmore, you know, he said, Jacob placed so much faith in Isaac's words of blessing. Isaac's words of blessing. And there is power in blessing, isn't there? There's power in words of blessing. Okay. Words have power in our lives. And everyone here, to some extent, you are being shaped by words which have been said about you. Okay. And some of these words are shaping you in positive ways. And whether we like it or not, some of these words are actually shaping us in negative ways. Um, some of the possible ones are probably deliberate words, thought out words, maybe a parent or grandparent who has said things to you, uh, loved you, or maybe it's a teacher or a um, grandparent who has re- written something in a birthday card. Maybe it's a special prayer at your wedding. Um, these are all words which are shaping off. Maybe it's a prophetic word, and you know there's been a prophetic word about you, and that is shaping you in a positive way. I've had prophetic words about my life, and they're shaping me even now. Okay. But maybe um, you're also being shaped by words which have been said about you, which aren't good. Okay? So these tend to be the words which people say by mistake. Things which slip out when people are angry at you or people are stressed. Uh, things people bring up in conversation. The problem with these words is um, you know, people may say, well, sorry for that. I didn't mean that. Can I take back those words? The problem with that is that the words have been said. The words have been said, and sometimes no matter how much someone says sorry, it's still there. It's still lingering in you, and it's still shaping you in some way. Okay? Um, but it just goes to show that words are important and words are powerful. And the Bible makes this clear. Proverbs 12, 18, it says, There's one whose rash words are like the sword thrusts, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. We can use our words for power, or we can use our words to bring down. But words do matter. It's the way we bless. It's the way we show love. We bless others with our words. And Jacob knew this, didn't he? Hence why he played such a premium on Isaac's words of blessing. Okay. Um, we know words have power. Blessing has power in our life. But we have a need for it as well, don't we? There is a deep human need for blessing in our lives. Just imagine your life if you never had a word of blessing or never had a word of affirmation in your life. You wouldn't be the person you are now. If you didn't have your parents or grandparents you know, saying good things about you, loving you, blessing you with the words, you wouldn't be the person you are now. And so even now, as an adult, we crave this. We still need words. We still need words. We still need blessing from people. And without this, we can get distorted. Um, and this is evident in our story. You know, Isaac had a favorite son, yeah? But look at what it did to Jacob. Isaac didn't love Jacob. Jacob was lacking his father's love, lacking his father's blessing all through his life. And although Jacob was after a good thing, he was after the blessing of God, you could say he's got his priorities sorted. Look at the way, look at what he's prepared to do, deceive his father, trick his brother in order to get that. He was distorted. He wasn't quite the man he could have been. And I'm a teacher of children, and I've taught children where it's evident that there's a lack of love and affection in their homes, and they're not quite the children they could be. Um, and as a teacher of children, I can also tell when a child is actually craving some words from me. 
Okay, so I can, they can show me their work, and I say, that's a nice paragraph, I like that use of language. And you can see, when I give them some, some words of affirmation, you can see their countenance change. And they're slightly different, and they're slightly more confident, and uh, they, they go on more and more once they get those words. I can see that. And it was a bit of a wake-up call for me as a teacher. I was um, a parent's evening, and a parent of quite a high-achieving child came to me. She was having the shoulders, and she says, academically, I'm really happy with what's going on. She just needs a bit more of encouragement. She just needs more of my words. And it was a bit of a wake-up call for me. Maybe I am just a tyrant of a teacher, make them all work without much praise. But I think I've changed that now. Anyway, but message to parents, um, your child's greatest need is for you to love them, to know them, to bless them with your words. You can spend all your time running around, working hard to provide for them, provide a certain lifestyle for them, uh, running around, giving them as many opportunities as possible, build up their profile, build up their confidence, but this is secondary. They need your words. They need your affirmation. They need your intimate relationship. That's their primary need. Um, so we can see that we all want blessing. There is power in blessing. There's a deep human need for blessing as well. Um, but there's also a struggle for blessing. Sometimes when a blessing, something which we want, doesn't come to us easily, we will struggle for it. We will reach out and try and grab it, won't we? It makes sense. If there's something you deem of value, why not go for it? Okay. Um, Rebecca and Jacob, they were prepared to go to great lengths to receive their blessing. Rebecca, however, she turned to receive Jacob. Well, Jacob faked it, didn't he? He pretended to be someone he was not. But can't we do this? Can't we fake it? Can't we pretend sometimes that we are someone we are not? I know I can. Maybe you do this at work. So you're, you pretend you're something you're not. You pretend, maybe you pretend you're more hardworking or more organised or more clever. Maybe you just want to be liked in your workplace, thought well of. You want the blessing of the people. You want them to think well of you. Or maybe you do it in a relationship. Maybe you're in a relationship, you want it to go well. You want to get in that relationship in the first place or you want the person to stay, stay with you. So maybe you're faking it a little bit. You're pretending you're more well-balanced. You're pretending you're kinder. Um, pretending certain things don't bother you. Maybe you pretend you're more committed to your faith than you actually are. Or maybe you even pretend you're, you're less committed to your faith than you actually are. All because you want the blessing of that other person, that person to stay with you. Or maybe you're even doing it this morning. Um, maybe you're pretending you're a bit more spiritual than you actually are. Or you're pretending you've got life sorted when you haven't. Trying to obtain a good name for yourself. Trying to get the blessing of the people. Trying to get people to think well of you. I know I've done this before. I've done this before. Um, Maybe you've turned to deceit, like Rebecca. She turned to deceit. Maybe you're doing that. You want a blessing. The only way you know how to do this is to turn to deceit. So you want a blessing of a promotion, maybe. So maybe you speak poorly, slag someone off to make yourself look better and not them. Maybe you're prepared to fudge some figures or hide your errors. Rebecca masterminded a deceitful plan and took Jacob along with her. They were successful because they knew Isaac was blind. They knew Isaac could not see. He was old and blind. But with us, with our pretending, with our faking it, you know, God sees. God actually sees. He's not blind. He sees. So he sees your actions. He also sees your intentions. And Hebrews 4.13 says, Nothing in all creation is hidden from God's sight. Everything is uncovered and laid bare before the eyes of him to whom we must give account. So, strong words. So, we can see that in the absence of blessing, there's a struggle for it. 
Isaac didn't want to bless Jacob. Yeah? Isaac did not want to bless Jacob throughout his life. Um, but there's good news for us, because there is another father, okay, and there is another son. So God the Father, God the Father, he does, he does want to bless you. He does want to bless you. It's who he is. It's what he's like. It kind of defines him. It's in his very nature to bless. That's God the Father. Even before creation, even before man, God was blessing. For he was pouring out love and affection on his eternal son, Jesus. And Jesus is eternal. He's not created. But uh, Jesus is the firstborn because he's given the privileges and the rights of a firstborn son. So with those privileges and rights, Jesus created. It says in Colossians that he created the world by him, through him, and for himself. Okay. For God was pouring out love and affection eternally on his son, Jesus. Um, in the story, I feel sorry for Jacob in the story because Isaac, his father, just didn't accept him. There was nothing in Jacob that attracted his father to him. Instead, Isaac lavished all his attention on his firstborn son, on Esau. And Jacob knew that his only hope was to be clothed as Esau, to be clothed in the firstborn's clothing. That was his only hope. Okay? And that's our only hope as well. So you know, outside of Christ and because of our sin, because of sin, there is nothing actually in you that attracts God's father. So God's not looking at Paul, saying, oh, I really like his big... Loud prayers. Oh, he does. <laughs> but because of sin, because of sin, because of our want to live apart from God, the Father turns his face away. The Father turns his face away. Okay? And our only hope, our only hope, because of our sin, because of our turning away from God, is to be clothed in the firstborn son, to be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. When you become a Christian... You are clothed in Christ. So when God the Father looks at you, he sees Christ. He sees Christ's perfection. He sees Christ's holiness. He sees Christ's perfect life. Perfect death. He sees the firstborn. He sees the son that he has loved through all eternity. And you can, because you're clothed in the firstborn, receive the blessing of the Father. You can receive the blessing of the Father. And this is good news. Good news. But before this could happen, there was the issue of sin. So Jesus went to the cross, and on it, he took on our sins. It says he took the weight of the world's sin upon him, and he willingly did this. You know, Jesus always referred to God as Father. Yeah, Throughout the New Testament, we see um, Jesus referring to God as Father. And when he taught the disciples to pray, it was our Father. And in his prayers in the Garden of Gethsemane, before he went to the cross... He was praying to God as Father. He always said, our Father. What does Jesus say on the cross, though? What does he say? He says, my God, doesn't he? He says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Notice Jesus doesn't say Father. He doesn't say Father. Because the Father on the cross turned his face away from Jesus. But this is the great exchange, isn't it? This is the greatest exchange ever. We exchange our sin to be clothed in his righteousness. As Jacob was clothed in Isaac's beloved son to receive his father's blessing, so we can be clothed in the beloved son and receive God the Father's blessing. In Colossians 3.3 it says, Now your life is hidden with Christ in God. So we'll be taking communion in a short while um, before we worship. And we are going to be taking the bread, we're going to be breaking the bread, 
and that is in remembrance of Jesus who bore his, our sins in his body. We'll also be uh, taking the wine as well, and the wine is to remind us of the blood shed. Jesus shed his blood, and it says that his blood cleanses us from all, all unrighteousness. And because we are cleansed, because we are free, uh, we are clothed. We can be clothed in the righteousness of Christ. Okay. But before we do that, before we do that, um, there's an important character which I want to talk about more in this, um, this story, and that's the example of Esau. So I'm going to read um, from verse 13. It says, After Isaac had finished blessing him, and Jacob had scarcely left his father's presence, his brother Esau came in from hunting. He too prepared some tasty food and brought it to his father. Then he said to him, My father, sit up and eat some of my game, so that you may give me your blessing. His father Isaac asked him, Who are you? I am your son, he answered, your firstborn, Esau. Isaac trembled violently and said, Who was it then that hunted game and brought it to me? I ate it just before you came, and I blessed him, and indeed he will be blessed. When Esau heard his father's words, he burst out with a loud and bitter cry and said to his father, Bless me, me too, my father. But he said, Your brother came deceitfully and took your blessing. Esau said, Isn't he rightly named Jacob? He has deceived me these two times. He took my birthright, and now he's taken my blessing. Then he asked, Haven't you reserved any blessing for me? Isaac answered Esau, I have made him lord over you, and have made all his relatives his servants, and I have sustained him with grain and new wine. So what can I possibly do for you, my son? Esau said to his father, Do you only have one blessing, my father? Bless me too, my father. Then Esau wept aloud. Okay. So we can clearly see in the example of Esau, regret. He was weeping bitterly, and he regretted his attitude to his birthright and the ease at which he gave it up. In the end, he wanted the blessing, but it was too late for him. The writer of Hebrews, he makes mention, he makes an example of Esau. And in Hebrews 12, it says, See to it that no one is sexually immoral, or is godless like Esau, who for a single meal sold his inheritance right as the oldest son. Afterward, as you know, when he wanted to inherit the blessing, he was rejected. He could bring about no change of mind, though he sought the blessing with tears. And the writer of Hebrews presents this as a warning, and we need to take it as a warning. Okay? You know, regret is hard to deal with. It is hard to deal with. I've got some regrets in my life. There's been periods of my life where I haven't um, lived looking towards the blessing of God. I've, I've gone after other things and sort of forfeited the blessing of God in my life. I've done that, okay? And regret is hard to deal with. So are you exchanging the blessing of God in your life for something else? Um, the passage mentions sexual immorality, so we have to talk about that. So are you using porn, or are you sexually involved with someone who is not your spouse? Or maybe there's some other sin which you're carrying on in your life. You're willingly carrying on with that sin. Do you know, God can't bless sin. God can't bless sin. And by doing that, you're actually forfeiting the blessing of God in your life. You're actually forfeiting all that God can do in your life, with you, and through you. You're forfeiting it. And I bring this up because I don't want you to regret. I don't want you to regret. One of my best friends, um, he was actually my, my home group leader when I was a student. Okay? And he was quite an encouragement to me at one point. And then he actually turned his back on God. And he lived a life of drugs, partying, and shacking up with his various girlfriends. But after about eight years or so, 
he, he realised he had to get right with God. He realised he had to come back to church. He was being nasty to his girlfriend. He came back um, to church, came back to God in quite, uh, quite an amazing way. And now God's blessing his life. He's going off church planting, doing really, really well. But I talked to him, you know, and those eight years where he was turning his back on God, you know, there's consequences of that and there's still regret. There's still regret. He regrets the time he missed with God. Okay. And I don't want you guys to regret. Also, importantly, in verse 38, Esau questions Isaac. He says, do you only have one blessing? And the answer was yes, and the answer for us is yes as well. There is only one blessing, and that blessing is the blessing in Christ. The only way to obtain the Father's blessing, the Father's blessing, is in Christ. So perhaps you're here, and you're part of a different religion, or maybe you take bits of different religions, or maybe you're like one of my friends, she says she is spiritual but not religious, and she meditates, and she feels warm, she feels peace, she feels close to God. Okay? Um, perhaps that's you, but in love, I have to say that that's not the Father's blessing. The only way to the Father's blessing is through Jesus, by being clothed in Christ. And the good news is that you're invited. You're invited. Everyone has an invite. But Jesus said it himself. I am the way, the truth, and the life, and no one comes to the Father except through me. Okay, before we finish, I've just got a testimony from my own life. and might be a good time for musicians to go up. Um, yeah, but this is about the blessing of God in my life. Um, I remember a few years back, before I was a teacher, I was living in Bristol. I lived in a flat in Bristol with some friends. And it had been about six years since I had graduated. And I'd done various things, but I was basically stuck in a bit of a dead-end job. There was no... It wasn't much money. There was no meaningful progression in that job. I hated going to it every day. It was meant to be a stopgap. It was meant to be a three-month thing, but it turned out being, um, I think I'd been there a year, and I didn't know how to get out. I had a plan A, a plan B, and a plan C for my career. I was on plan C, and the door was being shut on plan C as well. So I doubled up all my efforts. I, um, you know, I got up early and sent off various CVs. I had different versions of my CV, one for this type of company, one for that type of company, pretending to be a different person, dressing up, I guess. I doubled my efforts. I was staying up late, practicing for those seismetric tests which companies do. I was having telephone interviews, going to interviews. I'd get a certain distance and you know, the door would be shut. And this had been going on for a long time. Um, and I was starting to be stressed about it, starting to worry about my future. And all this. Um, and so I was part of a home group at the time, and I shared it with some friends in my home group, and they prayed for me. Okay? And then this young guy um, came to me and said, um, Stan, I just feel God saying, do nothing and enjoy him. Do nothing and enjoy him. And that was a hard word to hear because I didn't want to do nothing. I couldn't do nothing because, you know, it's been six years since I graduated. You know, people don't. People don't consider you after six years for graduate schemes. And September was approaching. It was key time. So I couldn't do nothing. I couldn't do nothing. And as for enjoying God, you know, the state of my mind at the time, enjoying God was not something I could do or felt I could do at the time. Okay, so I carried on with my frantic searching for a job. And that carried on for a little while longer. And then my parents came and stayed with me for the weekend. And um, over the course of the weekend, I kind of shared with them, you know, struggling here. It's just not going well. And I remember saying to my parents, I need something for September. I just need something for September. So before my parents left, they, they, they prayed for me. They're Christians and they prayed for me. 
in my flat. So my mum prayed, and then my dad prayed. And as my dad was praying, if you asked, if you asked me what did he actually pray, what was the content of his prayer, prayer, I wouldn't be able to tell you. But as I was listening to da- my dad, what I noticed is that his tone changed. So he started off normal tone, and then his tone changed um, during the prayer. And as his tone changed, I kind of something shifted inside me. Something shifted inside me, and I started feeling a little bit emotional. Um, held it together, um, took my parents down the lift, put them in the car, sent them off, and then I went back into the lift. And as I got into the lift, I basically fell on the ground and started weeping, started sobbing. And um, yeah, and I, I couldn't really control it, went up to my own, and that carried on as well for a little while. I was thinking, I'm a 27 year old bloke. My dad's just prayed for me, and I'm sobbing. What is going on? What is going on? But what was going on was this. I felt God. Romans 8, 15 says, You received the spirit of sonship, and by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. And so in that moment, in that period of time, that's what was happening. God was testifying, God's spirit was testifying with my spirit that I... And his son. And I knew this, but I was knowing it in a different way. I was knowing it in a different level now. And this, you know, so I did give up my career. Well, I didn't give up my career. I gave up searching for a little time. And, you know, God did a lot with me. So, you know, there's some hurt which I had to revisit and get over. Um, God, God healed me. Um, you know, there's a bit of rebuke. God rebuked me. And, uh, but also God, you know, he set, he set my course of my life again. He sort of put me back on the course of my life. And in that time, I felt, yeah, I'm being fathered by God. I'm being fathered by God in a very real, very real way. And it was, it was amazing. Uh, you might wonder how it turned out for me. Um, so after a while, I went back looking. I went back to my plan A, um, decided that my motivations for plan A were wrong. I was after the money and the status, and it didn't really suit me, plan A. Looked into plan B, spoke to some wise heads, um, decided it was not right for this time in my life. And then plan C, um, I was praying with a flatmate one morning, um, close to September, um, and we were praying about it specifically, and that day I got a phone call saying, someone's dropped out of the teaching course, can you go on it? Okay. And so because of all God had done, because of that process and because of what he was doing inside of me, I felt free to go through that door. Okay, and what I realised is that, you know, we can there are good things which come from God, good blessings which come from God. We got you know jobs, spouses, babies, houses, all good things. And ultimately, as Christians, we believe they come from the hand of God, don't we? But sometimes we can be looking at that. And forgetting that we're actually the ultimate blessing. The ultimate blessing is the blessing of Father. It's the blessing of what God can do in your life. It's the blessing of having God as Father. And so if that's you, you know, it says in Scripture, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. And all these things will be given unto you. But seek first. Seek first. This is your ultimate need. This is our ultimate need. As humans, as adults, this is ultimately the blessing of the Father. There is a blessing. The blessing is God. There is a treasure to be found, and the treasure is the Father.
For more information, visit our website at godfirst.org.uk.